Hi friends, thanks for tuning into this latest episode of Love Service Wisdom with Marissa Rada. Here I am for you, coming to you from Boise, Idaho, amidst the coronavirus pandemic. And uh, wow, wow, left a little speechless in this moment by the enormity of it all and all of the changes that are taking place. And um, yeah, interesting, crazy times. It's definitely a a reset, it feels like. And uh, I, since Monday, I've been home with my kids, Maya, who's 16, and Benji, who's eight, homeschooling them and have shut down classes at Sage Yoga and Wellness and Source Meditation, though we are offering live streaming of classes on Facebook and on uh, Instagram and maybe on some other platforms too as we develop into those, but trying to offer those services still of (laughs) meditation and yoga and mindfulness, which are needed now more than ever. It's such a shame that we can't share in person to person community in that way. But I, my heart feels so strongly that I want to be here as a resource for all of you and for my clients and community and friends. And um, so, yeah, we're offering those classes through live streaming. I did my first Instagram TV session uh, yesterday too, and I'll probably do some more of those just as a way to like reach out and try to offer a transmission of realignment and grounding in these super duper, duper, duper stressful times, stressful with like what's going on in the world and all of the unknowns that we're facing. And then like doubling that with not working and, and becoming homeschoolers and taking care of our kids when they would be in school and when we normally are doing so many other things. And then the people in our lives, also their emotional responses and varying levels of stress. It can be crazy. I don't know about you, but I sometime last week, it was like this weekend, maybe I remember sitting at the table with Krishna and Benji and we were having dinner and we were talking about something, but all I kept thinking like in the back of my mind was this image of myself in the shower, just like crying. I'm like, I just need a good cry in the shower. And I didn't. But the next day I finally had just like this huge sobbing, bursting cry. And I think that helped to move a lot of energy. I felt a little bit better since then. That was maybe Sunday, just kind of energetically better in a way of regrounding. So maybe a good cry is what you need if you haven't had one of those yet. Or um, getting some time in nature is also incredibly beneficial. We're making sure that we do that every day, getting outside and going on walks, riding our bikes, going to the park, throwing the football, walking the dogs, being in the sunshine, all that kind of stuff. And then just quality time, lots of quality time with the kids and with each other. We're lucky that we have the wood-fired sauna here in the backyard. We've also been doing that a lot, which is so good for our immune systems and de-stressing. So I hope that you're accessing those those opportunities too, because 
dude, it's just crazy. It's crazy this opening reset that we're going through. And I know for a lot of us too, part of the source of stress is just all the unknown that we're facing together. Uh, we were like, our human brains are designed to plan and uh, decide and discern and make decisions. And those things that we decided a long time ago, maybe some of the plans we've been working on for a year or more, like Tree Fort Music Fest that I'm a part of, we've been doing that for over a year. We were about to have it next week. And you know, having things like that or other big travel plans or events or gatherings or what it might be, um, or trainings. I had that cancel next month too, that I was going to go to, to all of that ending, right. And, or being postponed. And for last week was almost even harder where we weren't quite sure, like, are the schools going to close? Can I go to that thing? Is this thing going to happen? And you're in this really difficult, liminal, unknown, like, uh, ungrounded place. And I think for a lot of us, we started to feel better once some of those decisions were just starting to happen, whether they were quote unquote, something we wanted to happen or not. It's almost better to just have the decision made and we can lean into that place of knowing more. So I think we're in some ways in a little bit better place. I think I am at least than last week because now I know some of those things, like what's going to happen or not happen. But, um, that I think there's also still a lot of unknowns yet to come. And I I don't want to say this out loud. Well, I think it's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. And uh, learning to ride those waves and go with this flow and really open up into trust and lean into our personal power too. That's one of the big messages that's been coming through me since uh, last Thursday, actually, even more so. When I went on this hike with Krishna, we decided to just kind of get out of town and unplug. And we went on a hike in the Owyhees, which is a mountain range here in Idaho. And it's a place that we hadn't explored before. And we got a hot tip from our dear friend, Rainbow Eric, of which um, spot to go to. And so we went on this hike. It was about an hour and a half drive from Boise. And it was exquisite in its magical power. There was nobody there and it was just throbbing and vibrating with earth, like deep earth, earth medicine energy. And long story short, the the hawk energy was there quite a bit for us in really powerful ways with their presence. And the hawk energy feels like this call to leadership and to like Godhead self. I talked with Rainbow Eric about it a little bit today and he was like, yeah, it's like the Kundalini Cobra serpent energy coming up over the head, but in a more earthy way that like hooded hawk energy of seeing, seeing the truth and seeing from a higher vision and, and like fully living in like God truth power. So that's to say, I know many of you out there have uh, your own truths and your own deep powers that have maybe been in the shadow a little bit or that you've been dabbling in or practicing or not quite sure if you want to fully put on some of those identities. And I would say, shit, now is the time if you're going to 
just come out, just come out and be radiantly, radiantly, radiantly you. And we need you to, we need you to, and I support you in every, in every way, every possible way that I can from my heart to yours. I drew a card today from the Earth Oracles deck that Celeste got me last year for my 40th birthday. And I love it so much. It's one of the most powerful decks I've ever had. And I've got a lot of Oracle and Tarot decks. And this deck, it's by Alana Fairchild. And she's got a lot of decks that she's created. It's incredible. But long story short, the card today was number 14. It's we are the ones who we've been waiting for, which just felt like, I remember when I pulled, I was like, oh, just one of those audible gasps that you let out loud. Like, of course, obviously. And we know this is true, that we are going to get through this together. We are, we are, we are, we are. And the changes will happen in a positive way. And a lot of that has to do with reconnecting to the earth. Tomorrow, I'm recording this podcast um, intro on Wednesday, March 18th and tomorrow's the 19th when I'm going to release it. And so I guess I should say today, today is the spring equinox and it's a, it's an active potent time of the energy of the earth for turning of the tides and uh, the cycles. And so if you can, if you're listening to this podcast today, definitely spend some time outside and have some re-earthing practices. Walk with your bare feet or put your hands in the grass or just like your hands on a tree trunk or, you know, the ground or the sand or the bushes or the flowers and connect to earth. I have a practice where I just think to the earth how much I love it and how much gratitude I have for it. And this was a practice that came to me recently when I was in New Zealand hiking Glacier Burn and I was blown away by the earth energy there. And I was like bubbling and welling up out of me in like a, I don't know, like a visceral somatic way, this like pure gratitude and love for earth place from its raw rawness. And I remember walking on this hike it was a kind of a, a strenuous hike up, up, up for like three hours, but being so blown away by the forest there and just having moments where I would stop and put my hand on a big giant tree trunk or the ground or whatever it was, it's just be like, just burst with like, I love you. Oh, I thank you. I love you. I thank you. And then I came back and last week did a card reading from the same Earth Oracles deck with Krishna. And the card I got was number 10, Kataiki. I think that's how you say it. And it was a card about the Maori um, mother goddess, earth protectors, which flashed me back into this time that I was having in Glacier Burn um, in New Zealand. And then they had as a ritual in this card reading, the... Um, divination of it, the same thing that I was doing when I was there. So that was a beautiful piece of synchronicity and just a practice that I'm passing along to you. I know it really helps me to reground and reconnect. So hmm, let's do a little bit of that if you can today or any day that you're out there in the world. Um, and then with the other changes, you know, like I said, yoga for it and tree for it is going to get postponed. So that'll be happening now, the end of September, September 25th through 
7th, I think, will be Yoga Fort. And uh, my other retreat, I've got a spirit dive retreat at Esalen in May, the end of May. And I believe as of now, that's still happening. And then Krishna East Forest and I just announced last week our annual Boulder Spirit Dive. That's Boulder, Utah. That's going to happen the second week of October, at least as of now. So you can go to his website, eastforest.org backslash retreat and find out the details of that and sign up. And like I said, I think we're planning on still having that, but who knows, who knows, who knows. Other resources, I've got my book. If you're down, if you're out at home and you're not getting to the studio like you would like, my yoga book that I started in 2014 and came out in 2017, it's a 27 day home practice of 15, 20 minutes of yoga each day with a little bit of like philosophy piece at the end. Uh, it's perfect. It's perfect for this time because it's just like that short nuggets of the 15 to 20 minute practice that as you're doing it, you're learning and feeling into your prana body mindfulness wisdom of self. At least that's my intention for you so that you're creating this capacity to eventually just get on your yoga mat and move and that you'll... Um, be intuitively connected enough and trusting your body enough that that can happen for you. So I've got my book out there as a resource. The only place you can get it though really is from me. So you can send me a message if you're interested in getting it and I can pop one in the mail to you myself. The cool thing about the book is that it comes with 28 videos as a companion piece. I created this book through Daya Yoga where my yoga classes can be found online. And, um, Udaya, they do the filming. So, right. So this was the first and I think only book that they ever <laughs> put out. And so as part of it, we have videos. The 28th video is a yoga nidra that I'm guiding with Sheila Bringy playing flute and harmonium and harp and chanting in her angelic voice. So that's like a bonus too, that you get is all of those videos that go along with the book. So you really get like, what is that? 55, 55 different classes. If you want that, send me an email to info at sageyogaboise.com, info at sageyogaboise.com, or find me on like Instagram and social media, and then I'll connect, I'll, I'll, uh, we'll have a discussion about it and I'll get you the book. So that's there as a resource. And like I said, I'm doing the live streamings through my personal channel and my studios too. And I think that's all the intel for now. If you haven't yet rated me on iTunes, that would be fantastic if you did. It certainly helps build some uh, credibility out there in the world. We do live in a five-star world where everything is being rated and compared to other people that have ratings and who's got more. So it helps. We're in the matrix still. And I would appreciate it a lot. I've got 29 so far. It'd be great if I could get to like 100. And uh, that would require you doing it for me. So thank you for doing that. Thank you in advance. Okay, this podcast. This podcast is a re-release of a podcast that I did with a friend, Zarin Betty. 
I think that's how you say his last name because I just call him Zarin. Zarin is a super cool dude who lives here in Boise. We had this conversation in January for his podcast, the Expand podcast. That's with an X, X, P-A-N-D, Expand podcast. It's on, um, his podcast is on human wellness and mindfulness. And it was so great. It was such a great, fun discussion of all different sorts of things for philosophy and psychology and spirituality. And it's, I think it'd be fun for you guys as my listeners to hear, because it's a little bit more of a role reversal where somebody's kind of asking me the questions. So I'm talking a little bit more about some of my history and experiences and ideas. And Zarin is just a wonderful guy and a great, um, host and podcaster. And it, I would have to say it's been one of my very favorite conversations so far. We get into some sweet spots and I um, hope and I think that you'll enjoy it a lot. So I think this podcast, it kind of starts in an awkward place with him just talking, but that's that's what it is. It's Zarin. Thank you, Zarin, for sharing this with me and I in conversation. So with that, I'll leave you and I want to send you just a moment of uh, blessing, 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 blessing. Deep breath in. Feeling, feeling really grateful for all of you. Really, 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 really grateful. Really grateful for our network for our community, for our tribe, and all these beautiful souls that are incarnate right now on the earth. You are here for a reason, and we're in this together, and it's happening. How can it have the best sound? With like mm. angles of walls and the angles of the windows that he made. He made all those windows, <laughs> double panes. Holy moly. At a slant. Then all the sound panelings that you saw, and... Yeah, like different kind of tests in the room, like where should he put his desk? Where should his chair sit for the speakers to be in the room to have the best sound? That's, I love how intentional people can become mm-hmm. and are with their craft. Yeah. It's special. It makes it what it is because all of those hours of work, even preparing for that moment, are built into the mm-hmm. music or whatever the art may be. He says that. He says every time he's invested in his craft, in his music in some way, it's always paid off. Whether it's buying like a hmm. new piece of equipment or a new piano or building a studio, then the next creation has that benefit. It's interesting to think about what a payoff even is. You know, whether it's an emotional payoff or income or revenue. It's such a... To me, that's a fascinating concept because I see benefit in lots of different ways, not just money. Mm-hmm. And this is cool. I don't know. I like that kind of concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it too comes from this, this idea that we limit ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I, it's like you're taking a risk. I'm taking a risk to invest my time or invest my money or invest my intention in this thing that I don't know, will it pay off? Right? That's the question. Should I do this risk? Mm-hmm. And then you... Do it, perhaps, if you choose to. And then often on the other side, particularly when you're following your heart and the mind has this fear element that you've had to overcome, the fear of the mind that's like, ooh, I don't know. And then you do it anyways. And typically always on the other side of it, you're like, yeah, 
<laughs> um, before I just start going into questions, because I have the perfect segue question from that. Rada, thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. This is amazing. You've been huge in Boise. You now own or co-own, have co-founded Source Meditation in Boise. Mm-hmm. You've had Sage Yoga. How long has that been around? Ten, I tried to find it. Ten years now. Ten years. Voted the best yoga place in Boise. I know you are held in high regard with the studio and anything that you put your work into is respected and honored. And it's cool to finally get to meet you in person. Thank you. And I've heard about you a lot in the industry or in the community of Boise. And it's pretty small here, as you as mm-hmm. you may know. And there's certain people that always pop up on the radar. And it's nice to meet you and Krishna and be able to not just bond and relate, but communicate with your world of operation. And that's what this podcast really is about is how do you perceive the world? And you have a lens inside of you that is extremely unique to your own. And you, from what I know about you and how I'm able to perceive you, blend that into the external very well. And it really is an honor to have you in this room. So thank you. Thanks. That's really kind. I appreciate that. I don't know, you know, being in like, let's say Boise or in the world... I don't know how it is for you, but I'm in my world and I don't know what people's perception of me is from the outside. You kind of like get into your zone of, you're just doing your thing. And one of my students this weekend asked me something about like, do people, do you find people like, don't like what you do or like are jealous of you or, you know, are kind of like haters about you? And I'm like, I don't know, probably. I'm sure. I'm sure definitely, but I don't hear it. Mm-hmm. I don't hear it if that happens, but I feel like maybe I'm ripe for that. Mm-hmm. You know, when you usually when you're kind of like bubble out and, and are above the surface, then you become that target, mm-hmm. which is one side of it. And then the other side of it is like, oh, people might like what you do and respect what you do or inspired <laughs> by what you do. Aubrey talks about that a lot in terms of taking arrows, the people who really are on the forefront of something or do something that's out there, they're more adept to taking arrows from from people. Mm. And there's strength in that and there's beauty in that. And it shows a lot about who we are and how we handle those moments. And it's, I mean, you're right. I'm sure people don't appreciate this platform either. Mm -hmm. But it's weird because it almost like funnels us more into, well, the, the deeper reasons why we do it. Totally. And there's, there's a lot of beauty in that. Yeah. And that was part of my response to that student too, was, you know, people might say what they're going to say or have their opinions about me or judgments about the things that I do, but it doesn't affect me or it doesn't matter to me when I know that I'm operating from my heart, when I know that I'm really doing my best, when I know that I'm trying hard to be of service to the world. When I know that my intentions are aligned with that, they can say whatever they want and it doesn't matter because there's, it doesn't resonate with me anywhere. It's not going to trigger anything. It's just going to be like, oh, well, they feel that way, but I know I'm really trying my best. Yeah, that's been a major switch for my own personal journey in terms of learning how to be more genuine 
-hmm. not just with other people, but with myself. And if I know that's what's happening, of course, we can always be better at it, you know, continually. But if I know deep down that's where I'm coming from, then the rest should actually be what it should be because I legitimately have no control over it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's that's been a very powerful recognition and one that I do feel if we're mindful and on the path of deeper discovery we will probably come to eventually. For sure. You have to make that choice. There's going to be choice decision points where it's like, am I authentic? Do I say my truth when I know it might be perceived as Hmm. others as wrong or bad, or I might be judged? Can I say and be in my truth anyways? And when you can rise to that and be a yes, there's so much power. And then you learn a really valuable lesson of like, oh, I can move through that hard thing and I'm okay. And the judgments were whatever, like they don't even matter. And then you can do it again and you can be in your truth again and again. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, learn what it feels like. Yeah. You know, it has a a visceral sensation. Mm -hmm. And for me, it feels like a sense of harmony being kind of within the Tao in a sense, Mm -hmm. flowing with what's happening instead of trying to fight against it. I feel like this, this is so fascinating. I feel like when I try and intervene with something, I'm almost going against against the natural course of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Of course, we can like kind of help guide or when coast. When you but say intervene, it's like you have this thought like, oh, well, it should be a different way. Or I want it to be a different way. And so I'm going to try to make it that different way. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's not what I'm feeling, but I think just, hmm. It's fascinating because... Even engage, that would be a much better word for it. Engage. Engage with something. I always, I've had, I've had to find a, a balance in how I even engage with expand. Yeah. In general, just yeah. anything. I don't know. I just, it, I, well, I respect. Christian and I, we were over the holidays. We got into this really great deep space together, and I had this kind of aha moment, where ahas for me are often like duh, because it's something that you know, but then you know it. Right. And so it's couched in this framework of how much choice matters. Your choice matters so much is one side of it. And the other side of it is, and we can't, let's say, interfere or judge other people's choices. Hmm. So we really have to leave choice to other people fully. And we know how much our choice matters and we have to not be attached. So it's this paradox that we're writing of it matters so much and we all have free will. And there's so much um, beauty and grace and growth and learning and allowing others to make the choices they're going to make without us judging it or changing it or trying to control it. Hmm. That's beautiful and relates deeply to the East Forest ceremony booklet with like you have choice Mm -hmm. and writing those down and understanding that we do have choice to be mindful or even not choosing is a choice. I love that, yeah. by the way. Yeah. And our personal choices, that's huge. You And you are choosing in every moment. You are choosing in every moment and it matters very, very much. And other people are going to choose differently or the world might hmm. choose differently around you. And you have to allow that too, fully. Hmm. And respect each other's choices, even when we don't agree. How does one do that internally? Like, what is the the feeling of 
accepting. Well, it's in that place of witness consciousness for me where um, things are then beyond good or bad, right? And so in witness, it's non-duality. And when we're when we're when a should gets in there, you want to change it. It's because it, you've you've divided it. This well, this choice is good, and that choice is bad. So if you can zoom out and hold it all, where it's like, you know, that koan or the parable of like, is it good? Is it bad? You know that the like the yin yang. There's seeds of good and bad. There's seeds of bad and good, and we don't know. Like we think our mind knows, but we don't actually know. So we can hold it bigger. It's like, well, I'm. I might think that that thing is great for that person and it might turn out terribly and I don't know, but this is what's happening now. So I can just be present with what's happening now and let's move through what's happening now and ride it out. That's the Tao way too. This is what's occurring right now. Wow. So that concept has been around me for a while, but to add the component of we don't know that is a powerful addition because we don't yeah. <laughs> we don't know what's good or bad that is an amazing addition to that well it's the truth you don't know you think that you know and the things that you know from your mind you only know from the past we don't know what's <laughs> going to happen in the future every decision that we're making in that way is past oriented How much importance do you put on how you approach things? Well, I think how you approach things is really important, for sure. The energy that you have and your intentionality and your level of spaciousness and openness. And I, don't, I would also say that I don't really think about it. Sometimes I do things poorly and unskillfully, for sure. And then you're like, oh, and then you can feel it when that glitch occurs, maybe internally or something that has occurred in another person that you're engaging with. And then maybe you have the opportunity to unpack that or back up and be like, oh, I'm sorry, or I didn't mean to do that that way, or that was, you know, unskillful of me. But then you're conscious with that too. And again, you're not always the best at it because we get defensive or triggered and then but then it's less so and then you can hold that too with more patience and love even when that happens for yourself or another person instead of the meh, 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 meh. <laughs> yeah this ties in very very deeply with the ramdas concept of even love your dark thoughts yeah love those moments love those patterns those habits those explosions at times and yeah, dang, okay. I've brought up approach because if our actions and thoughts are essentially rooted in the past, does our approach help determine the future? And I wonder about this a lot because of like intention. And it feels like like our approach to the moment in general, this this presence that we're able to have, whether I'm going to throw this cup across the room or mm-hmm. gently hold it, like that approach in presence it's going to help determine this ripple effect. Act, totally. That's, totally. you know, that we're both sharing here. Yeah. And that it will now be rippling through your nervous system when you leave here. Mm-hmm. And it ties back into that sense of like, well, I know I was trying my best, right? Like I know in that moment, my intention was really in my heart. And so from that space moving forward, things will be of that frequency, mm-hmm. right? 
But if I'm, uh, if I'm trying to control something because I want this particular outcome, that outcome is up in the mind. Like I, it's like a picture. Like I mm. think it's going to look this way, for example, and I'm going for like the tangible way I want it to look or turn out versus I'd like to go more towards how am I going to feel or how do I feel right now? And then mm. the looking of it can look a lot of different ways, but it's going to feel like peace or I'll feel secure or I'll feel grounded. I resonate so deeply with that. It's almost as if the body, the feeling holds way more gravity and ground mm -hmm. in our experience. Because even, I mean, our thoughts feel a certain way, but to me, it's like if we're trying to change our thought patterns, it's almost like we're trying to change like the leaves of a tree rather than the roots that it's absorbing the soil or that it's absorbing the soil through. And of course, each is going to influence another because we think something, we feel a certain way, we feel something, we think a certain way. Mm -hmm. But I think I've really found this through meditation and plant medicine work of like the body feeling holds so much awareness. Yeah, it's the body always, doesn't lie. It doesn't. There's a great book that's called that, The Body Doesn't mm. Lie. And the body doesn't lie. So the body's giving you messages in every moment about the truth of the experience mm. that you're having in the moment whether that's where your mind is or where your mood is or even just what you put into your body. Like, oh, that didn't, I shouldn't have ate, eaten that thing. Mm. Dang. How does that concept trans, transcribe and translate into how you behave in your everyday life? Well, through practice and observation, I've learned when I have these types of thoughts, I feel this way. Or when I eat these kinds of things, I feel this way. And then I'm making choice. Hmm. Am I going to choose to have that thought? Am I going to choose to eat that thing? Am I going to choose to do that thing? If I know that typically it results in me, let's say, quote unquote, not feeling good. And then sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that anyways, for whatever reason. And then I know I've got the cleanup to do on the other end. Of like, okay, well, it's not going to make me feel good, but I can do these things. And I'm just now aware that that's part of the program as well. And so I guess it just makes me a lot more mindful of the choices that I am making. And I, and you can't not unknow too. That's kind of like the ignorance is bliss where it's, you can, you th yeah, it's maybe let's say quote unquote, a lot simpler when you are less conscious and then you be conscious, then you become conscious and you're making conscious choices all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we start to cruise through it too. I don't know. I guess yeah. that in some ways now at this point, I'm not thinking about it that much and mm -hmm. I'm aware all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It almost seems like the more mindful you become, the more information you're able to comprehend in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be what responding or what leads to responding to something. Yeah, it becomes instinctual and intuitive. Yeah, because I mean, you take that observational approach to things yeah, outside of practice. You know, I think a lot of the deep work that can be done should be integrated into other areas of our life. How we make breakfast, how we talk how we make love, etc. There's so many different variables there. But to have these moments where we're, we are within stillness, 
they can really help us know what that feels like mm-hmm. and how to move and ex- truly expand out outward into what we do that may be off of our, cu- our cushion or yeah somewhere else and when you and i started i don't know if we were recording yet we were talking about how fortunate we are in our culture and i think maybe like a counter side to that is a little bit how selfish we are you know and or how egocentric we can become and so then through our practices too it it lessens that neediness mm. that we all have and we be, can become a lot less selfish and more selfless and then that's the translation into our lives with our community and our family and our partners is the selflessness that we're able to have in a way that feels really actually good. And then you're in that oneness field of, well, I even know when I'm serving you and doing this for you, it's actually for me. (laughs) How do you feel being in stillness and the practice helps us become more selfless because it absolutely does. But what do you think helps produce that? How does it become, how do we become, um, well, one thing that happens when you begin to practice, maybe it's yoga or meditation or whatever it might be, is we begin to do our shadow work. We begin to feel again. We begin to integrate. We begin to heal. It's a really, it's a healing journey. And um, where going into it, you might be super shut down. And you haven't even realized that for the past 20 years, you know, your whole adult life, you're not even feeling things. You're not even really present. And then you begin to feel again. Then you begin to become become more present. And you're doing your shadow work and your integration work and your growth and your healing and your self-love and self-forgiveness. And then we have the sense of compassion for, oh my gosh, I've been suffering so much. And wow, you're suffering too. And I didn't even realize how much we're all suffering. And then you have experiences, maybe it's through psychedelics or the spiritual practices of true oneness, Hmm. right? Where, oh, shit, I am it and you are it and we're always all it. Oh, my gosh. And then when you come out of that, if you you maintain that essence, and then, again, the selflessness is in there where then, like we spoke of too, you have the experience of making choice and then this is the result. Oh, I'm going to try and be selfless in this moment and serve in this way. And then you see, oh, that actually felt really, really good. And I gained so much benefit from that too. In my act of being selfless, I was unattached to the results. I wasn't doing the selfless thing so that I would get this back. I was actually being really genuinely selfless. And wow, when I do that, and when I make that choice, it has this result. I'm going to do that again. Yeah, that's beautiful. And in real time, we get to see the ripples from that. Mm-hmm. And if we're mindful and viscerally aware, we can see when we do something and how it responds poorly in somebody else. Mm-hmm. And you can see when we do something and how it, it responds beautifully. And we do kind of learn, we have this frame frame of reference on even what we do and how that influences the world around us. Selfless is... It's beautiful. And it's interesting. People sometimes ask me, like, why I do this, why we do the podcast, why we're on our mission. And 
It genuinely feels like because it's the proper thing to do. And I've dealt with moments where that's been kind of hard to explain to people. And mm-hmm. there's been years of like, well, how do you even explain what you do? Because th- these are just fractals of actually like the essence of what's happening. And that brings it back into our intention. Why, why we're even doing something and mm-hmm. if we're doing it from our, our heart or not. And understanding that people don't understand it and accepting that. And yep. it really all seems to blend into a way of being mm-hmm. in what we do. Mm-hmm. And like Bruce Lee has one of my favorite quotes, all knowledge ultimately means self-knowledge. So essentially everything is showing us how we feel about that certain thing. Yes. Or how we feel about ourselves yeah. or Yep. The list goes on. Joseph Campbell, he has a favorite quote of mine too, which is like, the meaning of life is the meaning that we give it, hmm. which I think is similar. That it's through this filter of um, our own perceptions and what we're learning about ourselves. How do we change that? How do we make that healthier? What is that process? Like how do we change it for everybody or ourselves? Hmm. Well, essentially, if you do it internally, it's going to bleed into the people around us and blend into them. Yes. So that's, that's you know, the meditative long haul. That's mm-hmm. the thing that will last. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where it gets back to my choice matters. And I can't judge your choice. And so I can do my work and I'll be on my path. But I certainly, it's I don't want to be in a place of righteousness and judgment over you and saying, well, come on, you need to go a little bit faster. Or why are you still dragging your feet on that? Because we're all going to get there and we all have our own soul journeys and we all have our unique lessons to learn. And that might be actually through different forms of suffering too. Mm -hmm. And so when someone's going through something like that, you can witness and be supportive, but not, you know, we can't, we don't know. I don't know. I don't know why you're choosing (laughs) to do that thing. (laughs) It's your Dharma in this lifetime to be an alcoholic or whatever it might be. You're Mm going to learn from that. And do I want you to be an alcoholic? No. Do I love you anyways? Yes. I love you anyways. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good response. That's mindful. It's perspective. It's fascinating to me to talk with people who have years of experience in anything they do, especially like the internal meditative world because it really does feel like the words you choose right now is a blend of all of your previous experiences Mm -hmm. for you to be present and to even express what's being expressed because those words would be different five years in the past. Yes. And so to understand that like we are these bridges from our past world into the present world that can therefore influence the future um, it's neat. It's cool to hear your perspective because how long have you been meditating? How long have you kind of been on this journey? What even, it seems like most people, it's a natural, just seems to unravel uh-huh. itself. But how has that process been for you? Well, I'm 40 and I started when I was 15. So 25 years of practice of self-awareness, I would say. And of course, when I was younger and a teenager, it was like groping around in the dark. Mm -hmm. 
and then that was like the mid nineties. There weren't really a lot of resources either. It was just like books I could find at the used bookstore, things like that. I didn't have any teachers or anything, but that came out of a psychedelic experience that I had when I was 15. That was really, um, I describe it as like the shamanic death moment where you're just fully flayed a hundred percent. And you're like, baby tiny psyche that doesn't even know anything and has no support and it's the absolute wrong set and setting and you survive i survived Mm -hmm. and so then surviving that experience made me then have to i had no tools or resources but i had to put myself back together which then included this question of what is reality what does it mean to be human because that was way different than i thought that i was trained to have the paradigm of my Roman Catholic upbringing. Whoa. I thought life was through that filter of Roman Catholic upbringing. No way. There's so much more going on behind the curtain than I thought. And then it was just a hunger to figure out what that was. And so then read all kinds of books through my teenage years. And that was just, like I said, self-study and then like dabbled in the new agey Palladian typey stuff. And that was really cool and inspiring and new, like, oh, like, what if we're from the stars? Or, oh, what if we're walk-ins? Or, oh, what if, I don't know, this whole, like, new earth paradigm? Or, and, like, hmm. Jose Arguelles and the harmonic convergence and all of that kind of thing. And then I would hear about yoga through my studies of Eastern philosophy, but I didn't quite know what it was. And then when I was 20, I... I had a woman that was kind of a mentor and a good friend who was older. She was in her forties. And she said, well, when I was your age, I did yoga out of this book. And I was in college at that point in my, I was studying psychology again, cause it was along that, what it's consciousness mm-hmm. mind frame. And then when I first practiced yoga, it was through this book by myself in my home, in the bedroom floor. And it was like a 15 minute daily practice. And I witnessed myself my thoughts and my habits changing through just this tiny bit of yoga that I was doing. And so then that was really eye-opening, like, oh, yoga is a practice of self-development. So I came to yoga in the in like 2000 from it being a practice of self-development is what I was doing it for. I didn't, I didn't do it to be in physical, physically fit or whatever, you know, like it's commonly done now. It was a spiritual practice. Um, Yeah. And so then when I graduated with my psychology degree, I had enough self-awareness at that point to actually pause and think, all right, well, you have to go back to school. You have to get your master's or go on and study more. And then I thought to myself, if you were to do something just because you loved it, what would you do for the whole rest of your life only because you really enjoyed it? And so it was like, what have you done all these four years in college that you've enjoyed the most and pick from the thing that you loved the most. And I thought, well, I loved that yoga class that I taught, I took with Eric and Isabel, my teachers in college. Eventually I started to take yoga at at school. And uh, then I decided to become a yoga teacher. So I went after I graduated to become a yoga teacher. And so now I've been a yoga teacher for almost 20 years. But then meanwhile, weaving in psychology and I have my master's in transpersonal psychology and have this has just been my dharma. It's been my path all the way through. Everything that I do is rooted in, I don't know, lack of a better word, spirituality. And that's what I want to help people 
discover too through maybe it's yoga practice or maybe it's meditation or maybe it's just how you are in the world and who we are as beings. There's lots of gateways in. That's a great breakdown of your story. That's very well articulated. It's so beautiful to hear how the path brings us along the journey and how different but similar it seems to be with each person who has found themselves in this line of work. Yeah. And then, you know, thinking, reflecting on my story too, you know, there's certain things in my life and my upbringing that steered me in one direction or the other, where like you could look at it and be like, oh, well, that must have been really hard when you were a child and you were raised, you know, in a the middle child of seven and you're on like welfare and food stamps and nobody was around and you had no mentoring or nobody telling you to do this or that. You were the first person in your family to go to college, that kind of thing, which is true. You could say that's hard, but then at the same time, it freed me up to make my own choices to be like, well, I'm just going to do this because I like it versus maybe a tighter, more supported family Mm. upbringing. That's like, well, we expect you to do this and you're going to become one of these. I didn't have any of that. I was just making it up. Dang. Huh. And so I think it might take other people longer because they have to go through that filter of, well, this is what I'm supposed to do, or this is what's going to make my family happy. It's amazing how much perspective plays a role in how we respond to what we've been through. Because it's also probably pretty easy for people to look back at that as something that held them back as well. But you're seeing it and you viewed it as something that's been very beneficial. Yeah. It helped me become who I am. So how is it not beneficial? 100%. Hmm. You're rad. <laughs> <laughs> you're rad. Great. Being raised the way that I was too, you know, in poverty, that kind of thing also gave me this mindset of actually abundance versus scarcity. Mm. Because having lived through not having anything, really... I'm not afraid of it for one. And I too know that I'm always taken care of. Mm-hmm. I've <laughs> learned that. Oh. Way to, and thank you for embodying your journey in a way that is very helpful and healthy for other people. It's very meaningful. And it's so beautiful when people come from a past that can be perceived very negatively and it's rerouted and alchemized and processed in a way that is so beautiful. Because that that ripples, that is in your vessel, is how you interpret those moments. Mm-hmm. And that's being projected and is present everywhere you go. And like that is so important for integration. And rerouting and perceiving something a little bit better, little by little, And then 20 years later, we're able to actually love something much more than we could 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful. It's for me, it helps show 
like embodied practice. Like that's what the practice is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's life. It's living. It that's is. why we practice is to embody it. I had this other great thought um, maybe a couple months ago that was something along the lines of, let's see if I can explain it. It's a big one. It's like one of those ones that I like so much I want to hold on to <laughs> and keep it a secret. Yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> but it was something like we're practicing, we're doing yoga, we're meditating, we're becoming more and more conscious because we have this physical form vessel that's here in material reality where our soul is this piece of us that's formless or that's light or that's energy, right? And we all want to like live our soul or live our, live our higher truth. And the way that we do that is making it so that our vessel, this physical form in the world is cleaned up enough. So almost like a puzzle piece or like a hand in a glove, the soul can slip into it and fit in it. And then that's embodiment when you can make the space in your physical form to hold the container of your soul because you've cleared out enough of the dark patches. <sighs> You know Paul Selig? Yeah, I saw him at the um, retreat with mm. you guys, but I'd never known him before. Mm, I'm not okay. familiar with his work. Okay, so he had an amazing channeling session with all of us present. When we were there? That when one? we were in Malibu, yeah. Yeah, I was there. At the Oh, you were, that's right. Mm -hmm. Okay, That's boom. when I got Perfect. introduced to him. Okay, amazing. Yes, I remember. I, I saw you in the room. Yeah, I saw you in the room too. Yes. It's funny when you're in a room of like a hundred people <laughs> and you'll see like one or two people that you see. I remember like seeing you. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who you were and I didn't know we had connected beforehand. I had no idea who you were. But I was like, I see that guy. <laughs> That's cool. Mm -hmm. That alone is holds a magnitude. Um, one of the things that really stood out with what he channeled was... You don't become Christ consciousness. Christ consciousness becomes you. Ooh, yeah. And that profoundly relates to what you just shared. Yeah, it's the embodiment of it. You become it. And you do it through doing your work, mm -hmm. through being in witness consciousness. And the other big barrier I've really pinpointed so much more recently is the judging mind. Mm. Man, I just had this thought last night about judgment. <laughs> It's, it's the poison. It it's is. the separator. It's the divider. We want to get into non-duality. And so the whole purpose of the judging mind is duality. Is good or bad, is right or wrong, is this or that, is above or below. Hmm. Separation, which we need the ego, that mind, to be in, in the world to make choices, hmm. right? But if we can hold it and wrap it with witness, with non-duality, with love, that's Christ's consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It feels like judgment's so sneaky. Like, it's not what you think it is, but it also is what you think it is, but it's also not what you think it is. It's when it feels, you can feel it mm -hmm. in your body. When you've judged someone or when you've judged yourself, your body doesn't feel good. And we think we can get away, quote unquote, with like, I'm secretly judging you and you don't know, but I can't get away with it because I feel it in my body. And every time I judge you, I'm judging myself. Mm -hmm. And every time I'm judging myself, I'm actually judging the world around me and the design of nature and God. Mm. And that's, I'm separating. Every single time I judge, I'm separating. Wow. One of my favorite concepts, it was brought to me a few years ago, was... Our psyche, our soul, our consciousness 
doesn't know if we're talking to somebody else or if we're talking to ourselves. Oh, yeah. And this like opened up a whole door for me of if you tell somebody F you,、mm-hmm. like your consciousness, your body doesn't know if you're talking to somebody else or yourself. Precisely. And this、exactly. is the same, right? If it's I love you or you're beautiful、mm-hmm. or. Or selflessness. Selflessness. Let me do that for you. Oh my gosh, I'm doing it for myself. <sighs> It's so simple, but so <laughs> intricate. It's practice. It's practice. I told my students this week in the two, I'm like, hey guys, it's actually slow. Like, be gentle with yourself too. It's you slowly become aware and then you slowly start to integrate and then you are it. But I,、mm-hmm. I, was ho- I was wanting them to not, we can shame ourselves or judge ourselves like, why, oh man, I made that mistake again, or I did that again, or why is the blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, just let it take the time it's going to take.、Hmm. My teacher, John, he used to always say that. And that it's, it's slow, and that's okay. It's like a plant growing, it happens slowly. It's not like the flower bud is in the seed, so it pops into a bud. It has seasons and it takes time and it needs nurturing, it needs water, it needs sunlight, it needs the right conditions.、Mm, I love how related plants are to our own growth or soil and like in our foundation and the nutrients we, we need to grow. Like, growth is a really consistent concept.、Mm-hmm. It's either going to grow poorly or strongly and efficiently. And there's growth that happens in both. Directions, but it's so fascinating to get into what helps something grow pos- positively that helps heal and produce fruitful、um, responses. I often re- relate this concept to allowing the water to settle.、Mm-hmm. So, if you kick up, let's say you have a water bottle and you shake it and it's full of sand and water, and it's not going to settle immediately, but if you sit and you breathe and you feel it and you watch it and you perceive it and observe. From as much of a non judgmental platform as possible, just kind of watch it happen.、Mm-hmm. That is another way to、yes. allow it to take its time. Totally. And that happens through your mindfulness practices too. Like Ramdas would say, polishing the mirror is the same thing、mm-hmm. as letting the water settle. It's stilling the mind, stilling the body so that things are flowing. Unobstructed, and then you can see clearly, or like a lake, right? Then the water becomes still and glassy. And then when you look into the depths, you can see deeply into the water because it's still versus it's choppy and there's all kinds of activity. You can't see into the depths at all. Nature is so related to us. <laughs> nature knows. Nature knows. And it's the Tao. We, we are. We are. We are nature. What a beautiful concept to be able to comprehend and recognize when the Western world seems to have a really hard time grasping that. And you see it in business ethics and the morals that people live by. And you see it in other cultures too. It's not just here, but it's very expressed here and very, almost seems like people trying to convince other people, like the righteousness you. Mentioned、mm-hmm. earlier, it's like pushed on people because of who knows what. It's well, one, I mean, like a innocence, let's say, way or like a naive way of doing it is just you just get kind of excited,、mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, I know now, I know, quote unquote, that when I'm doing these things, I feel better and I want you to feel better too. 
And so I want to share, but if someone, my, one of my personal ethos is like, if somebody hasn't asked me mm -hmm. for the info and I'm just sharing and spewing on them, it's not landing anywhere. They're not listening. I'm just kind of wasting my own life force by trying to proselytize to this group that they're like totally tone deaf. Hmm. I like that as a personal ethos. I like that. That holds a lot of wisdom. Well, otherwise people can feel judged by you, you know, like, oh, I'm with Zarin, but he's always telling me that mm -hmm. I should be doing this thing more. <laughs> and now I don't want to hang out with Zarin anymore. For sure. <laughs> It's so funny. You see that <laughs> in like network marketing. <laughs> We all avoid the network marketers in our life. <laughs> uh, I know some of you and I love you as people, but it's just, it is funny concept. Yeah. It's like, don't make eye contact with a network marketer. <laughs> oh man. That's yeah, that's a rabbit hole. And we've all been involved in some way or around it. It's just funny. Well, you, like, again, it can come from this kind of good or naive mm -hmm. place of enthusiasm. You really, maybe part of you believes it or wants to believe it, but you're, the feedback you would be getting is it's not mm. actually nourishing that mm. person or yourself. What is nourishing to me? Well, just me being me. And I'm going to be the example. And if somebody says, hey, I've noticed... You know, you seem so calm or how did you move through that transition so gracefully or what, how did you do that? Then I'm like, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. 1400% agree. How being someone who owns a business now who works on two businesses, I know you've had other projects and you've really helped bring things into the world and produce meaningful pieces of work. How do people on this path of deep awareness and mindfulness promote something like that? This is a very consistent concept that comes up. Promote the business, you mean? Or just share what you're doing because of the aspect of like, if people aren't asking, I'm probably not going to tell. It seems like something when we become super aware. Well, there is an edge there. Right. And I would say that there's probably a growth edge there for myself where I have that um, almost as like a survival tool that I learned a long time ago when I started to be on my path. Like, oh, when I'm when I'm super enthusiastic and trying to share with people, you know, and they're not really listening. Is that really valuable? No. And so then perhaps. I've gone too much in the other direction mm. where I could share more and it would be very valuable. And I think a lot of us have that internal limiting belief of, well, who am I to say? Mm -hmm. Who am I to share? Like there's other people that know way more than me. So why would I be a voice in the world? Who am I to be that voice in the world? And I think I could lean into that more. And then I have to balance it with my choice too. Well, like, okay, well, if, let's say I want to become... I want to make more Instagram stories that share my outlook on the world. Then I'm, then it's time. Am I going to, where do I fit that time into my life to do those things? That is that promotion. When, when I'm making choices about my time, I want to spend time with my kids and I want to, uh, to go for a walk or I want to do my own practice 
And so then that's balanced too. Hmm. And then I feel like it's, I, I often make the call that it's more important to me and maybe perhaps more valuable that I'm a good mom versus well-known in social media. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Values. What's meaningful for your heart? It's for me, it's kind of been a somewhat of a difficult process understanding that people come to this journey on their own Mm -hmm. and I've had some really deep plant medicine presentations of something that really resonates with me where like people's souls are learning the lessons that they should be learning where they are and there's a process of continual growth no matter who we are where we are and perhaps this is a very brief of the whole lesson but perhaps we're learning as many lessons as we need to learn before reaching the realm of spirit and there seem to maybe be what does that mean before reaching the realm of spirit like I've never explained this actual lesson. You want to hear the full thing? Yeah. It's yeah. it's somewhat lengthy, but Hold on, I got to tap back into this one. So, this was in Peru working with a medicine that means a whole lot to me, Mother Ayahuasca. And this was the fourth ceremony of five. There was a part of the journey where she was presenting Earth and building an energy around everything that was coexisting on the planet. Then it was zooming around to show this ever-flowing ball of creation and, and energy pouring into the planet, little by little, just a continual flow. <clears throat> it was panning around to kind of show the process of reincarnation this aspect of being born learning dying being born learning dying over and over and over and over again until people learn till that being till that soul learns like the full combination of being born lessons of being murdered of murdering of whatever lessons we're supposed to learn within that frame of existence, which enable us to fully become aware and mindful and present in perspective and transition into the realm of spirit. And then it started to pan open more and more and show these souls, these beings that are like deities from different cultures and different backgrounds and 
almost holding ground and holding space of deep wisdom as these new being, these newfound souls were coming into that realm and is kind of showing this full spectrum of like potential lesson learning. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because like for me, as so I've been working on a, on a program for like eight years, it's really focused around becoming more mindful and understanding how our internal and external worlds blend into each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a person like, I don't feel like I should be the one that like put something out there and like kind of push you into doing something. It's almost like, I feel like we should provide a platform for people to come to on their own instead of being, Hey, you should do this because it's going to help you or whatever reason that might be. And that's also deeply related into Bruce Lee, where he talks about like, we don't, I don't teach you anything. Like we provide an environment for you to grow on your own. I think it's still both too, though. Like you don't want to be pushy and you've created the platform and it's there, but I'm sure Aubrey says things about this. Like, how are they going to know that they can come to you without you letting people know that they can come to you? Hmm. So it's, (laughs) but where is, where is the energy of, let's say the promotion, where does that reside? And it can come from different spots of like, ego or greed or self-doubt, you know, insecurity, let's say, or it can come from just really feeling and knowing and believing, I think that this would be valuable for you. If you're open to it, I think that this could be helpful. And then the, the catch is that if they don't do it, that's fine. And if they do do it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. For sure. Hmm. Like when I make these spaces, Source and Sage, you know, it's, hey, I'm here. You can come if you want to come. One of the things that's funny that happens all the time is students who come in that say, it's been so long since I've come to class. Like they're, it's confession and they're apologizing. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm just happy that you're here right now. And we have to also remember, I'm reminding the students this all the time too, that we are in the world and we are householders mm-hmm. and we are part of a community and we do have jobs and we do have families and we do have partners. And we have all these other obligations. And so any tiny amounts that we can put towards our spiritual practice is bonus because our life is in this time frame of like 20s to maybe 60s. We're in it. We're in it. Some of us, like maybe myself, who my life is also that I have a little bit more integration, but for most of us, that's not the case. And we are looking for teachers and we are looking for guides and we are looking for inspiration to help ourselves. So sharing at the same time is important to help each other. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share and listen and even integrate that. Thank you for your response. Thank you for how you do things. You know, we are all on the journey, a journey, mm-hmm. with each other, for each other. And it really did feel healthy in my body to share that, which is really cool and beautiful. And that's deeply appreciated. When you had that journey, did that tie into what you created in your program? Mm-hmm. It informed it. Yeah. 
I think naturally things do. Yeah. Stuff that's, you know, deep in us, whether it's through our voice when we speak or through music that we make. But, um, so I have a question that I've never asked somebody before, (laughs) at least on the podcast. Um, I really appreciate your perspective and how you work through what we're talking about. Is there anything that you're like wrestling with as an idea? It could be kind of interesting to look at something. What do you mean by wrestling? Like, I don't know, any thought or lesson that seems to be popping up or anything that, I don't know. I mean, this could just be something that we even don't dig deeper into. I mean, I would say, I don't know if it's like a real wrestle wrestle, but it's, I feels like something that's unfinished Mm. and maybe lots of life is always unfinished, right? Like, but it seems like there's more growth and more lesson to learn for myself is like, um, issues around self-valuing self-worth. Not that I like don't value myself. Mm -hmm. That's not what I mean, but more like asking for worth when it translates into Mm -hmm. like monetary type energy, let's say. And that I think certainly is conditioned from how I was raised, Mm -hmm. right? Part of it being, well, I actually don't need a lot. And what does it mean to Mm -hmm. have needs? And what does it feel like to have my needs met? And what is it, will my life be that different because I feel like in our in our Western cultural conditioning we have that image the like paradise image or something of like being wealthy and having your jets and having your beach house and having like the, the chef and the life and the celebrity and the whatever like we're programmed with that all the time so I think most of us have that in there like oh I'm striving towards that or when my life has those that that cushion around it mm-hmm. or that support then will I have made it? Wow. And so that's to say, I think about not necessarily that in particular, but just like this almost like a challenge to like, well, how much can I earn? Right. How much can I manifest? How much can I make? How much abundance can I create? Am I limiting myself or am I just, um, okay with what I have? And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. It's, it feels like a game in some way. Like if I put more effort into making more money, that's fun. Can I have that be fun? Or will I add more stress? Mm. Or will I have all that money or those resources and be like, ugh, now I'm weighed down by all of this stuff. So I was actually happier before when I had less and my life was simpler. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a big part of, we'll just narrow this down into meditation is a recognition that we don't need much to be happy. We don't need much. We don't need much. And Krishna and I, we had this moment the other night together. We were lying in bed and it was just so wonderful. And we travel a lot together and we go to all these amazing places where we're, you know, in these hotel rooms or on the beach or in the whatever exotic place. And those are great moments. And when I was lying in bed with him in just our little home in Boise, Idaho, I was just like, this moment is as better or better than the moments that are surrounded by those external like cushions or plushes. It's just this simple moment. I love it. It has as much richness and depth and beauty and satisfaction 
as when it might be, I don't know, more luxurious. Hmm. Does understanding that help you appreciate the more luxurious things more? Yeah, I do appreciate them. I mean, I always like a really good meal Hmm. and nice sheets and a beautiful view. And I also can sleep on the floor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In the cold. Yeah, I super, I comprehend that pretty deeply. We, We don't need much. We really don't. And I think people who are, are okay being with themselves understand that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so I went to the source meditation on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that were asked to us was, why are you here? Why here? New Year's Eve, first thing in the morning, what brought you here? And my internal response was building deeper relationships. And it's just that's what was present. And then it seems to be for for me, things pop up and then I dig deeper into what they may mean. Mm -hmm. I really trust the flow of what is present. And that even means with ourselves. Mm-hmm. and building a deeper relationship with who we are or the people around us. And like that is such a huge component and what we need is people. Yes. Like deep and healthy relationships. Yeah. My One of my good friends and a, a man that I teach with a lot, Rainbow Eric, Eric Wallace, mm-hmm. he and I developed a whole series and program called Sacred Relations. Mm-hmm. That's about the relationship with yourself with your partner, with your community, with your family, with the world, and with the divine or other. That's amazing. Where can one find that? (laughs) Uh, In my notebook. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Eric and I have taught it in person many Mm -hmm. times. We do it as a weekend together. We haven't taught it. We, I guess we taught it last year. And then we developed, you know, like he and I together, like the course that is this and we have it developed but we haven't created it mm. and so it's kind of just sat it's been sitting in my notebook as i feel like many projects do <laughs> <laughs> many very meaningful projects seem to just almost brew yeah they're like sitting for what it feels like the proper moment for them to be shared yeah and it may never come out in that course framework but i know eric's teaching it in his mm-hmm. teachings and i know i teach it in my teachings but not in that design that we once had the, that motivation interesting we in it together creating it but i hope to revisit it with him i love teaching with him and it is exactly what you were saying it's the relationship to ourselves to other people to the world to god and whatever that means for you It's the cleanup work. And then the cool thing too, I feel like I've discovered through experience is when we're doing one of those paths, the other paths are Mm. also getting better. Mm -hmm. So when I develop my relationship with the natural world, let's say my relationship with myself gets better and the divine gets better and my interpersonal relationships get better. Or when I'm developing skillful actions and awareness in my interpersonal relationships, these other ones also get better. So you can kind of pick one too. It's not like mm-hmm. you have to do all of them at once and they're happening simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like we naturally go in waves and phases on 
where we should intuitively be mm-hmm. and that will shift and change and then that'll kind of simmer down and then you go into something else but they're always interworking with each other yeah yeah kind of like that image that you had in your ayahuasca vision of the earth and all the energy that was flowing into it and the interconnectedness of it all it's very real mm-hmm. it is it that's true <laughs> yeah what have been some of the biggest downloads that you've been able to really embody and that are just as felt as presently in your behavior as possible well, i think some of them i've mentioned like the judging mind really getting a huge download when I'm judging others, I'm judging myself and vice versa. And so trying to be as present and witness to that judging mind of others, especially. And because we do that so silently and internally, but then paying attention to how that is affecting me internally and then seeing it be like, oh, I'm doing that. Okay, well, let that go. And then holding space for people too Mm. and trying to be a a container or witness in which people don't feel judged by me. Almost the essence of like, it it feels like um, unconditional acceptance, which feels like a mother, right? Mm. Which I don't want that to sound like I'm the mom and you're my kids (laughs) kind of thing, but just like the mother energy of typically your mother loves you regardless of whether you really fucked up and did that stupid thing and then you have to talk about it and you're in trouble, but still she loves you and it's all right. Or, you know, like I let maybe can see perhaps what is happening that's harmful or not the most in alignment with your highest good and you're doing it, but that's okay. That's what you're learning right now. And I'm not judging you, not judging where you are in your path. And to embody that nurturing energy too. Like I want to be kind of like a frequency that feels safe and that feels grounded and that feels wise and that feels loving and hopeful, discerning, patient, gentle, kind, generous. Which you do very well. It's felt in this moment and any time that I've walked past you or been in the same room as you, Thank you for that. You're welcome. Do you have any remaining thoughts or feelings or anything you'd wish to share? No, I feel like we went super deep. That was great. That was super wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good blend. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. I really enjoyed the conversation a lot. And I love having you know, conversations like this, it's fun. It's Mm -hmm. fun to kind of dig in and explore and you ask great questions and are really receptive and have, um, really cool and fun insights of your own. And so it's, it's just, it it was really enjoyable. So thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you as well. It's, uh, it's, it's been cool. So I talked with Krishna on Monday and Mm -hmm. you today, and it's beautiful. You're so similar. You both are very similar. I w- I've never heard that, actually. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's not sarcasm. Interesting. <laughs> no, yeah. In terms of... Because I have I have a frame right, right now of, you know, both relatively 
at the same time with each other talking. And you both are on a super similar wavelength in how you process and express the internal world and kind of bridge it through our discussion. And it holds an essence and a gravity of we can go deep, but it's like a gentle depth. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, he says that. He uses the word gentle power. When huh. he does ceremony, when he holds space, he's always says, I'm asking for gentle power. And I've never said those words, and that's what I'm doing. Interesting. Too. Yeah. But without just naming it in that way. I have a different maybe symbolic representation of those two elements, but I feel like I am that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And Absolutely. he calls that in for sure. And so that's an interesting reflection hmm. that we both have that. It's funny sometimes when we're talking, <laughs> you know, he'll say something, let's say, quote unquote, deep. And, I'm, and I think internally to myself, you got that from me. <laughs> <laughs> How that's many a... <laughs> times have I said that? Oh, now you just thought of that? that is okay. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> we all have those. <laughs> Those subconscious seeds, for sure, that just yeah. blossom and we mm -hmm. don't know where from. That's totally. Funny. And so I and this could be not true or true, but I feel like I see that. And then, of course, I don't say anything. I'm not going to say you took that from me. I'm like, totally, dude. <laughs> You're so right. It is that way. That's awesome. That's <laughs> unconditional love. <laughs> it's unconditional love. Because when you're in that space too, where you're similar and we're doing similar things in the world, I don't want to feel competitive. Mm. I want to support him. I want to support him. And I feel like my role in our relationship too is that also. And so it's this interesting testing ground for me too, who as an individual is this big bright flame that creates all these things that has had her own journey, that's gone through all these you know, decades of learning and teaching. And now I'm in this relationship where I'm supporting a man who's giving that out to the world, but I'm the, I'm in the background. We call me the magician's assistant. Like he's, he's the one orchestrating, let's say in the ceremony. And I'm just like, people don't even know who I am. Right. Or why I'm there, but I know, mm -hmm. but people don't. And so can I hold that space selflessly for him so that he can deliver hmm. the best that he can? And yeah, I want to, I love him. I see my role as Radha and Radha Krishna as that devoted partner of support. And so I give him hmm. that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And being able to perceive that both of you work in Malibu with each other, that's what happened. That was the presence, that was the essence, that whether or not people knew why the both of you were there, they were able to feel the power and the beauty from the both of you. Mm -hmm. While it's just him, he's the name. Yeah, that's incredible. Well done <laughs> on both of your parts. Thanks. It's so freaking wonderful. I was telling um, Krishna during our episode how it feels like his music almost like washes away the room and opens up the area you're in just by listening to it, just by hearing it. Mm -hmm. The way the birds are involved in this like very natural sense of, of what sounds like the ocean and just like truly opening up the dimension you are experiencing. Yeah. It's, yeah. Ma it's magic, it's but it's... Magic. it's 
it's so natural.、Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. It's pure. It's pure. It's very, very pure.、Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's an honor to know you both, to have met you both, to have been able to delve deeper in discussion with you today and Krishna on Monday. You're always welcome here. Please、Thanks. let me know or us know how we may be able to help anything you do. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thank、Enjoyed、you for being、it. you. Thanks. And then we'll do it again. For sure. Much love. <laughs>